And we are live. This is the Wrap It Up On Blast Raps postgame show. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and this episode of Wrap It Up is brought to you by Clean Cuts Barbershop, 2013 Danforth Avenue in the East End of Toronto. Clean Cuts, the multicultural barbers that will always keep you fresh for any and all occasions. So go see Skip and the crew. As a wise man once said, tell them that I sent you. Check them out on Instagram at Clean Cuts Toronto or give them a call 416-917-4833 to book your appointment now. Wow. I mean, that was a crazy game. Crazy game by Toronto Raptors. Thank you for joining me again. My name is Sheldon Alexander. This is the Wrap It Up Podcast. Huge shouts to the people who are up late night on the East Coast as it is 1230 right now on the East Coast. Thank you for joining me live on Twitter at Shell Alexander. If you are there, click the link. You will then find yourself in Periscope where we can take your comments and questions, read them out. Same thing goes for Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. Again, if you're never able to catch up to these things live, we become a podcast, which you can find on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and of course, YouTube. Just search Wrap It Up Podcast or more specifically, especially on the audio the audio waves of the iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, search On Blast Podcast. That's a feed where you can get this podcast, among others, but most importantly, the Wrap It Up Podcast is there. Uh, someone right away on the chat says, Sheldon with the clean cut from Clean Cuts. I see you. <laughs> yes, that comment from Twitter, very true. I did go see Skip and the Crew last night at Clean Cuts. That is a thing. Um, yeah, Skip takes care of me, man. Good peoples over there. Good peoples over there. But let's get to the point here. Point is, Toronto Raptors win in overtime, 123-114. And there's really two ways to look at this game. One, the Toronto Raptors looked really good for about, what, 40 minutes of regulation? Like, really, really good. Then late in the fourth quarter, they cut, they blew the lead. And you can focus on the positives of how great the Raptors looked for the majority of this game and then in overtime. Or you can focus on the eight minutes where OKC made a crazy run and also the Raptors offense stalled in late in the fourth quarter. They, they stalled badly late in the fourth quarter. So there's two ways to, to look at this. You can look at the positives. You can look at the negatives. Now, people who follow this podcast a lot know which side I'm going to lean on, but I know. I'm in the minority when it comes to focusing on what was really good in this game. What was really good in this game was the Raptors' ball movement. The ball movement was crazy. For the majority of this game, the Raptors had the ball on a string. It was, you're seeing the ball go from one side of the court to the next, and it was just crazy passing, crazy teamwork. Everyone was involved. It was a great thing to watch. They were blowing out Oklahoma City. And for the record, Oklahoma City is a really, really good team. They've stumbled as of late. Tonight, they would have lost, what, their fourth in a row? Losers of five of their last seven at home. But the reality is they've struggled as of late because Paul George got hurt not too long ago. And since he's come back, I mean, you see the, the tape wrapped on his shoulder. You also see that when he was checking back into the game at one point, he had a massive ice pack on his shoulder. So I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that Paul George isn't 100%, but he's he's fighting through it. And bottom line, this is still a really, really good team. So to see what the Raptors were able to do to this Oklahoma City Thunder team for the majority of the game is super impressive. 
Again, the offense looked so good. And when you really break down Oklahoma City, they were in this game because of Russell Westbrook. Russ had 42 points in this game, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, and it was so weird. It's it's odd because he struggled with his three-point shooting for the majority of the season, although I want to say over the last 20 games, it's been a little bit more impressive, but Russ basically kept OKC in this game, but it was Russ against the entire Raptors team. If you look at all Raptors starters finished in double figures in this game, but more importantly the assist numbers. So overall for the entire game, Raptors with 45 made field goals in this game, 30 assists as a team. When you have four of your five starters all finishing with six assists in a game, that's ball movement. That's unselfish play. That's what led to the Raptors' success for the majority of this game. Pascal Siakam leading the way, 33 points, 13 rebounds, six assists, add in two steals, add in a block, and 14 of 21 shooting. That's incredible. What Pascal Siakam did in tonight's game, and if you really pay attention and watch the game and take it all, like really take it in and and pay attention to what's going on, you'll notice that Pascal Siakam, when he's active, when he's running up and down the floor, that's when he is most successful. When things get into the half court and he tries to, on one and five into like three guys that's when he runs into trouble now i understand that the next level of his glow up will be that half court give him the ball let him make a play but i don't know if he's there yet also too i don't know if that's a style of play that the raptors are most successful with it's not successful for siakam it's not successful for the team this was a game that i feel like Raptors fans and people who follow this team will show their true colors in terms of their level of understanding the game of basketball. What I mean by that is there is a massive difference between when Marc Gasol was on the floor when Marc Gasol was not on the floor. And you're going to look at his line and say he had 10 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, he was 4 of 7 from the floor. And you look at the line and you're going to say, okay, well, what did he do? He had the worst numbers of anyone in the starting lineup. But that's not what it's about. Again, the level of how much you understand what's going on with the game of basketball. And it's ball movement. The ball movement starts because when he gets the ball, he's passing it right away. And what that does is it it sets the tempo in your offense. It forces everybody to also move the ball. And it forces whoever doesn't have the ball to be moving, to cut to the basket, to get open shots. And we saw that early. That's what led to the success early. It was a three-point shooting. Danny Green hit five threes in this game, five of nine. Most of that damage was done early in the game. And especially with no Kyle Lowry in the game, you needed that ball movement to create more offense because Lowry obviously is your primary playmaker. Without him, you need Everyone needs to pick up the slack. So it's got to be a team effort. And we saw that tonight. And the way that Gasol does it, because here's the other part. And I feel like sometimes it's on me because the way that I explain it, I'm I'm not articulating myself correctly. And if you look at the Raptors starting lineup, okay, especially on a night like tonight, most often than not, Pascal, Kawhi Leonard, and Danny Green, when they first get the ball, their first instinct is to shoot or to get a shot for themselves. Marc Gasol can score, 
but he is passing first. And that, right, in comparison to if you have Surge in the lineup, now you're talking about four out of your five guys getting the ball, and their first instinct is to shoot. When you move that into Marc Gasol instead of Serge Ibaka with those other guys on the floor, now you have another facilitator, someone else who their first instinct isn't to shoot the ball. And all that is, it's just balance. We talk about why the Boston Celtics don't work as a team. It's because they have too many guys who are worried about shooting the ball and getting their shots up. Same thing if you look at the downfall of the Lakers. You have LeBron, then you have Ingram, then you have um, Kuzma. Those guys, their first instinct is shooting the ball, worrying about the shots they're getting up. Philly, Philly is going to run into trouble because, again, Embiid, uh, who, why am I drawing a blank? Embiid, Jimmy Butler, and Tobias Harris. First instinct when they get the ball, get shots up. You need to have balance within your team and within the, the players that are on the court at the same time. And Marc Gasol just balances the floor because he's not looking to score all the time. I keep saying this, and I keep stressing it, and I keep getting crushed for it, actually, in the comments, which I'm fine with. I'm okay with it, but I just urge you to pay attention more and watch and pay attention to what's going on and how crisply the ball moves. And it's interesting. I wrote this down. They showed this in the pregame show, actually, because there's numbers to back this up, okay? Marc Gasol with the Raptors before and after. Here are some numbers before and after Marc Gasol's been in the in the lineup. And I think it's it's funny to, to look at this now because these stats were before the game, and then obviously what happened in this game is only going to help that even more. So this is with Marc Gasol before and after, okay? Raptors assist, assist numbers per game. Before, they were at 24 assists per game. Now they're at 27. Secondary assists, which is basically the hockey assists, right? Before Marc Gasol, 3.6. Now, with Marc Gasol, 4.5. Passes, total passes per game. Before Marc Gasol, the Raptors were at 290. After Marc Gasol, 308. Per game. Notice a trend here? Points from assists, 60 per game. Before, after Marc Gasol, 69. Nice, right? Notice a trend. Three-point percentage. Before Marc Gasol, 34.5%. After Marc Gasol, Raptors up to 39.6% from three. Raptors lead the NBA in three-point percentage since the Gasol trade. Again, you're not going to see it in his numbers per se, but it's just ball movement. It's just whether it's Kawhi, he finally passes the ball to someone else, the ball movement, knowing you're going to get it back in the cut. And... I say those numbers, I wrote those down before this game, and it's so interesting to see the fact that this game has to silence some people who are so mad at Marc Gasol. Because if you're paying attention, and trust me, people are going to give away their level of basketball knowledge if, as they continue to talk about Marc Gasol. Because this is a game that if you're paying attention, you notice a difference between when he's on the floor and when he's not on the floor. Just ask Danny Green. Just ask Kyle Lowry the wide open threes, the looks that these guys are getting. Now, we talked about the good, and there was a lot of good going, going early. Siakam got off. He, he shot five of his first seven shots were in. First quarter, Pascal Siakam, 10 points, five rebounds, two assists. Great start for Siakam. In fact, Siakam and the bench did a really good job to close out the first quarter. 
Raptors, in fact, shot 71% from the floor. 10 assists on 15 made field goals. Like, again, I can't emphasize this enough. The ball movement was crazy. Got to give a lot of credit as well to Nurse because the way that he staggered the minutes in this game, Serge Ibaka off the bench, he came with energy. I know you don't see the scoring numbers from Serge, but he brought the energy, especially on a defensive end, and that's key. I mean, he still owned the boards. Nine rebounds for Serge in 23 minutes. Two blocks from Serge as well. Solid, solid minutes from Serge Ibaka. Solid production. And those are the type of things that you need to see that from Serge, right? What do we talk about all the time with when you want these guys coming off the bench, you at least got to see them go all out on the defensive end. And you saw that from Serge Ibaka, especially in this game. But the way that Nick Nurse staggered Siakam and Kawhi Leonard's minutes for the majority of the game so that at least one of them were on the court with the bench worked out really well. Got to give credit to Nick Nurse for that. You also got to give Nick Nurse a lot of credit for when the run started to happen in the second half. He did a really good job of calling timeouts, trying to slow the run of OKC because they were coming. They were on one early. And credit Nick Nurse for using his timeouts well because it was a, they led by as much as 19. And he called timeout when it was about 17, or sorry, when it was about like 14. Called timeout. When it was about 11, Raptors built it back up. But either way, got to give credit to Nick Nurse for that. And again, Raptors at the half were up. They're still shooting 59% at the half. And it was still the ball movement. They had 16 assists on the 23 made field goals at the half. Siakam was balling. And then they come out in the third quarter. Gasol hits a three. Kawhi gets a dunk. Danny Green hits a three, his fourth of the game at that point. 8-0 run to start the third quarter. Timeout OKC. The Raptors were up big. Things were going great. Things were really going well for them. And then, you know what? I know people might say, I'm the homer, and, you know, I'm, always, I'm never going to crush the team, which isn't true. But I'm going to get crushed for what I'm about to say. Yes, the Raptors didn't play well down the stretch. Yes, they didn't run good offense down the stretch. They settled for bad isos by Kawhi and Pascal. But at some point, you also got to give credit to the other team. And Paul George, he was quiet for the majority of the game, but he hit some big-time threes for that run. Like, big-time threes Paul George hit. And sometimes if you're the Raptors, sometimes you got to give credit to the other team. Yes, the Raptors played a role in the comeback and it wasn't good at all. But to watch the shots that Paul George was hitting, that's a sign of a great player. You can be having a horrible game, horrible shooting night. But at the end of the day, shooters are going to keep shooting and great players are going to figure out a way that when it's winning time, that when it's crunch time, they're going to come back and you're going to hit big boy shots at the end of the game. And that's what Paul George did to bring them back. And he did that for the most part with five fouls. And you know why I want to give Paul George a lot of credit? Paul George and Kawhi, in fact. Because they're superstars that guard each other. And we rarely see that in today's NBA. See a lot of people hiding behind matchups. <laughs> Those that know me know who I'm talking about. Man them like Steph Curry. But that's a story for another day. But my point is, I rate what Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, even Russ were doing in this game because they were guarding the other superstars. 
And I rate that. That takes me back to, I, not, I don't want to sound like the old man, but the MJ days. Like, that's what it was. The best players guarded each other. That Mamba mentality, dare I say. I know people don't want to hear that, but hey, I enjoyed watching that. The Paul George, Kawhi going back and forth at each other, I thought that was, that was great to see. That was great to watch. But yeah, Paul George has hit big shots down the stretch. What did OKC close the, the fourth quarter on? I want to say a 13-2 run by OKC. It was crazy. And that last play, so down the stretch, let's go down what happened down, down the stretch here in the fourth quarter. Because OKC started off poorly to start the fourth. And then all of a sudden, couple bad possessions by the Raps. 8-2 run. Kawhi hit a, took a bad three. And now it's a two-point game. And it was, it was Paul George hitting crazy shots. Again, crazy. He fouls out with 20 seconds left in the game, wraps ball, and this is the stuff where these are things to focus on, right? Because you're going to have playoff games that could come down to these situations. So Freddie drives. They run. Raptors run a play. Freddie drives, throws it up. He kind of, you could tell that, I don't know if that was a play, if the play was supposed to be for Freddie to, to get it and go at that point, but he was so open that I think it threw him off. And as he drove to the basket, he kind of got caught in the middle, threw it up, missed. Russ grabs the rebound, and, I mean, it happened in the blink of an eye. Russ got the rebound, coast-to-coast, tied the game with 4.8 to go, and Raptors still had a chance to win it at the end of regulation. So now we're seeing another chance for the Raps to run a play in a situation that you might see yourself in in the playoffs. And they run a play where... This is a Dwayne Casey special because I remember this play before where it would be Kyle or DeMar getting the ball in the backcourt and you're trying to get them going full speed, going downhill to the basket. That's a Dwayne Casey special. Or maybe it was Nick Nurse who was drawing those offensive plays before. I don't know. But the point is we've seen this play run in years past if you're paying attention to the Raptors, right? So Pascal gets a ball, full head of steam going to the basket, and, I mean, Schroeder's just sitting there waiting to take the charge. And these are situations where, hey, it's a, it's a learning experience for Siakam. It, it's tough to crush Siakam in that moment in, in this game because he had such an exceptional game. But those are the moments I'm talking about where sometimes, and he had others too, where he's going to the basket out of control. Like he just has his mind made up that I'm trying, like I'm driving to the basket and I'm going to shoot. And that's where he gets himself into trouble sometimes. And again, I'm not going to spend too much time on it because I don't want to crush Siakam because you can't crush him. He had an amazing game and there's no need to crush him. But that was just a situation where the defense is just sagged in the paint. They're waiting for you. Schroeder, when you see Schroeder, you know that Freddie is open in the corner. Freddie's there for a wide open look. The right basketball play is to make the pass instead of you trying to hit a tough shot in between three guys. It just wasn't a good look. Either way, OKC runs a horrible play. We end up in overtime. And in overtime, the real Raptors came back. And the Raptors, the real Raptors, what I mean by that is what I keep talking about throughout the year and why I'm so calm and cool and why I'm not worried at all. It's because the Raptors play defense <laughs> they decided that okay no paul george it's just russ we're putting the clamps on these guys and 
OKC didn't score a bucket in overtime until there was 30 seconds left in OT. They started out something like 0 for 7 from the floor, but the Raptors' defense was just swarming. They were all over the place. Meanwhile, on offense, started out a little slow again, but they need to run a play. Not even run a play, just run a set. Have some ball movement. You saw them top, dump it into Gasol right at the foul line. Hits an easy floater. That got them going. Kawhi hit a super tough floater. Next time down the floor, four-point lead. Some more defense from the Raps. You had Freddie hitting a tough layup. And then Kawhi ices it with a tough and one. Game over. Jam done. Raptors win. Crazy game. Exciting game. Not the way that you want it to go down because you don't want to blow a 19-point lead ever. But when you're paying attention and you look at the game and you, you keep the big picture in mind, and the big picture is you want to see the continued development of the Raptors' offense in terms of ball movement and passing. That's the stuff that you saw in this game, and that's the stuff, to me, that we should focus on. Still got the win. It wasn't a good look down the stretch, but the way that the offense looked was incredible. And that should be the focus. Just my opinion, just my thoughts. We'll get to your thoughts in a second. Um, I just thought that the Raptors, the Raptors' offense just looked amazing in this game. Again, Raptors win 123-114 in OT. They improved to 51-21 and on the season. Again, when I say the Raptors record, it's so funny to me because sometimes I think about how many people are overanalyzing this team in terms of, you know, people are so worried because they lose to the Cavs. <laughs> people are so worried because why is Kyle Lowry in the game? Like all of these things, instead of looking at it, like the, the way that we look at things to me is so funny. Like how many times have you heard someone say, isn't it crazy that Kawhi Leonard can miss 20 games and the Raptors could still almost win 60? Like, why doesn't anyone say, well, if Kawhi Leonard played all those games, how many wins would the Raptors have? Would the Raptors be chasing 70 if Kawhi played every game? Like, why doesn't anybody think of it from that perspective? All we focus on is the negative all the time instead of the fact that Kyle Lowry's missed a chunk of time with injury, Fred Van Fleet's missed a chunk of time with injury. There's been massive trades to the point where, you know, I have a logo that has Raptors roster on it and half those dudes aren't even on the team anymore. And yet people are focusing on what happened in Memphis and JV's numbers in Memphis. And it's like, why don't they focus on how good the Raptors are? That's the part I don't get. With all the turnover, a new coach, different starting lineups, the Raptors have won 21 games against the West. Winners of 10 of their last 12, they're 22 and 14 on the road. Like there's so many positives with this team. And yet all the negative talk is always about like load management and how bad it is instead of, well, they're so deep and Bobby Webster and company have done such a good job in building a deep team that you can sustain all of this roster turnover and you can sustain injuries you can sustain load management and again the positive of load management is it allowed the speed up of the glow up of pascal siakam does that happen if Kawhi doesn't miss 20 games i don't know rant over but 
the 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 point is that I just want people to to enjoy this season. This season has been amazing. Again, this offense looked so great tonight with Elk Kyle Lowry in the lineup, the starting point guard, the person who you know is said to be the most important Raptor because he's the one that makes the offense cook. Tonight there was no Kyle Lowry, and the offense looked amazing. So don't we sit back and say, damn, if that's how it looked without Kyle Lowry, what's the peak that it can look with Kyle Lowry? Isn't that scary? That's what I want to see. That's what I'm looking for. That's also why, again, bring on the playoffs. I can't wait. I can't wait. I know Joel Embiid, the Sixers had a great game tonight. They came back and, and beat the Celtics. It's all over social media. Joel Embiid saying, I'm the most dominant big. No one can stop me in the league. Andy wants to win Defensive Player of the Year. All that fun stuff. And yet, with all that said, nobody has Joel Embiid in their MVP voting. <laughs> I find that funny. But because he says it himself, we're all going to talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> because that makes sense, right? But my point is, who's worried? I can't wait for the Raptors to play the Sixers in the playoffs. That'll be so much fun. So much fun. But the point is, this team is good. But let me get to some comments here because people are filling up on both Twitter and Instagram again. Thanks for always tuning in live and sending in your comments, whether you are on Twitter at Shell Alexander or on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. We take your comments and questions even on the late night on the East Coast, but it's still early in the West. And we know we got some Raptors fans in the West as well. So let's get to some comments. Uh, first off on Twitter, Foz says, or sorry, Fazil says, two-way player battle was fun to watch. Totally agree. That's that's a nightly treat. It's great when you can watch games like this and have two of the best players go head-to-head -head and one of them plays on your team. That's fun. That's really fun. Uh, someone says, OKC went from third seed to eighth seed. True, but that's what happens when your best player, Paul George, who was truly in the MVP candidate, like MVP talk, Paul George. That's what happens when he gets hurt. And he's back now. He's in the lineup. But at the same time, you could tell his shoulder's still banged up. And that's really why this OKC's struggling. Like, the way that their team is built, Russ and PG got to cook, like, every night. They got to cook. If one of them have an off night, they're going to have a tough time winning games. And... The reason why OKC was down so much early is because Paul George struggled. He only finished with 19, I say only, he finished with 19 points in this game. But at the same time, a lot of that came late. And that was the barrage that even made this a close game to begin with. Uh, more comments, though. Someone said, Tony Brothers trending in Canada on Twitter. <laughs> For those that don't know, that comment comes from uh, Kelly Olenek Shire. Oh, Kelly Olenek's hair. Sorry. Sometimes with these Twitter handles, you're trying to like, there's multiple words in there and you're trying to figure out where one word ends. One word doesn't. Sometimes when I'm just doing it on the fly, I'll mess that up. But this Twitter handle is at Kelly Olenek's hair. And, uh, yeah, Tony brothers, for those that don't know, he's a referee. He was trending. Anytime a referee's trending, it's probably not for a good reason. Tony brothers did struggle in this. He did not have a good game. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, for a superstar, the amount of times he's driving to the basket and blatantly gets fouled, there was one point where he got, like, body-checked out of bounds. 
and he passed it cross court to someone, but they didn't call it. It was the weirdest thing ever. I don't understand how that doesn't get called, but yet here we are. More comments here on Twitter. Nick Nurse put Marc Gasol three minutes too late in the fourth quarter. I mean, I understand. Hey, it's I'm happy to see those positive comments about Marc Gasol, meaning fans are starting to pay attention and understand the importance of Marc Gasol to the offense. But Gasol played 30 minutes in this game. Um, you look at the other Raptors starters, Danny Green played 36, Van Fleet played 40, Siakam 43, Kawhi 42 minutes. And this is where it gets interesting, right? Because Marc Gasol played 30 minutes, Serge Ibaka played 23. There's only so many minutes. You might have to get into a situation where you're lessening OG's minutes. Like the only way that you can get more from Gasol without taking away Surge is if you play both of them at the same time. Now, that would mean you're taking away from forward spot position. That would just mean OG gets less minutes. Or, you know, maybe Jeremy Lin or McCaw get less minutes. You move OG back to a wing position, and now you have lineups where you could see Gasol and Serge Ibaka playing together. But it's going to be tough to see Gasol get 35 minutes, let's say, and Serge also get 20-plus minutes. It's going to be tough, right? Just do the math. There's 48 minutes in a the game. They're both playing center. So it's interesting. Interesting, but a good problem to have. Uh, someone says, it's so late, man. I appreciate the dedication. Hey, it's the Raptors. We're here. We do this Wrap It Up podcast after every Raptors game. We've been here for the majority of them. I want to say we maybe missed three games over the Christmas holidays, over the holiday season. So we're here. And if the people are here, I'm going to be here. So, hey, we got a rep, especially after a good game like that. Who doesn't want to talk Raptors after a game like that? And to be honest, I'll give you a little insight. The reason why this podcast exists is because there was years and years of watching Raptor games and then being upset that there was nothing after the game would end and then you're just into whatever programming. And it's like, no, I want more Raptors talk and coverage. And it wasn't available on a platform that you're normally on. So here we are. So thanks to you guys for tuning in and being here because this is for you. Us, Raptors fans. Uh, let's see. Uh, my guy Mark says, bring on the playoffs. Totally agree. Can't wait for that. Uh, someone says, I swear Ben is visibly shook when Pascal and Kawhi turned Ben into a turnover machine. Uh, that is in reference to Ben Simmons. I totally agree. If you remember the early Sixers matchups this season, Kawhi had Ben Simmons on manners. Manners. <laughs> so I can't wait for that series. I, if everything lines up the way that they are now, that would be a second round matchup, Raptors and Sixers. Can't wait to see that. Uh, right now, I'm going to scroll back up on Instagram, get some more comments. Shout to all the people there. Again, great two ways to get at us live during the podcast, either on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander or on Twitter at Shell Alexander. The Twitter feed is a normal feed, the better feed where you can see the full view of the set. Unfortunately, Instagram is just a close-up of my ugly mug, so I apologize in advance. That's how you get in contact with us live. Obviously, on all the places that you listen to the podcast, especially on YouTube, we built up a pretty solid community there of continuing this conversation in between the games. So shouts to the people that are in the YouTube comments. Really appreciate you guys there as well. 
But let's get back to some comments on tonight's game. I'm still scrolling. That's how many comments there are. At some point, I guess I should just stop. But someone says, Gasol haters have to stop the talk. Hey, followers of this podcast know I've been on that. Mark Gasol, you're not going to see it in the line, in the box score, but the effect that he has on the Raptors ball movement, this was a perfect game to see it. Because the way the ball's been whipping around, I read the numbers early, so if you tuned in late, scroll back to the beginning or tune into the podcast. But the numbers are there to back up what Marc Gasol's effect has been on this team since the trade. Now, you could say it's a coincidence. I don't know. <laughs> but there are a lot of numbers there to show the Raptors' ball movement and just the difference it's been since he's been in the lineup. Uh Len, who tunes in on Instagram, says ESPN commentators had nothing but praise regarding Gasol's unselfish passing. I totally forgot. Wait, this game was on ESPN tonight? What day is it tonight? Tonight's Wednesday. This was an ESPN game. Totally forgot about that. Uh, someone else says Gasol is tall Lowry. <laughs> That's funny. Imagine, again, the ball movement with Lowry and Gasol in the lineup. It's crazy. Old man Gasol running that offense without Lowry. More comments on Instagram. How about Valanchunas? 33 points and 15 rebounds. Okay, guys. I'm going to say this. I'm happy for Jonas Valanchunas. I really am. But again, Jonas Valanchunas could put up those numbers on the Toronto Raptors. But he could put up those numbers on, Toronto, on the Toronto Raptors if Kawhi Leonard wasn't a thing, if Kyle Lowry wasn't a thing, and if Pascal Siakam wasn't a thing. This is what I mean about balance. JV couldn't do that on this Raptors team night in, night out because they have other guys that score. So his impact was never fully felt. And that, hey, maybe in past years when it was the DeMar and Kyle Raptors, that's when you needed to have JV and feed JV all the time. But currently constituted, hey, JV's going to cook on a Memphis team that's going nowhere. I prefer to focus on what's going on with the Raptors team with finals aspirations. Someone else checks in on Twitter and they say, Paul Pierce, still a Raptors hater, choosing Russell over Spicy P, shake my head. I don't know if that's a player for player matchup, but I'm not a Raptors hater and I would rather have Russell Westbrook as well. That's just me, not a Raptors hater. I just think Russell Westbrook is an animal and you would love Russell Westbrook if he was on your team because you know he's going all out, night in, night out, and he's a walking triple-double. That's a good thing. Game of basketball, I'd want that on my team. A lot of people commenting on my fresh cut. Yes, shout out to Skip and Clean Cuts. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, the Raptors got lucky with PG-13 fouling out. Yeah, overtime definitely would have been a lot different if Paul George was there. Definitely true. Um... But hey, that's just what happens sometimes in, in games. You play the situation. Paul George got in foul trouble. That just shows how hard he was playing on defense trying to guard Kawhi throughout the game. He was using up his fouls trying to keep Kawhi in check. It was a great battle to see. Someone says, Emma says, raise your hand if you've ever been personally victimized by Tony Brothers. <laughs> Again, Tony Brothers is a referee who was trending on Twitter because he makes very questionable calls. I'll say that. I guess that's a politically correct way to put it. Um, another comment on Instagram. 
I wanted to truly see what the Raptors were made of against OKC because they're a big boy team. I agree. We talk about it all the time. Not every regular season game is created equally. And what I judge more are the big boy games against legitimate teams with top-tier talent. And now, watching the Raptors match up against a team like that, this was a good look. You know that heading in, Kawhi knows, as my moms would say, he's got to be on his P's and Q's. Or in this case, I guess his PG's, right? Because that's a big matchup. That's a star-for-star matchup. So it's, it's very interesting to see it. Oh, sorry. Ah, so overall, going back to the prior comment, we were talking about Paul Pierce, still a Raptor hater. I thought they were choosing Russell Westbrook over Spicy P, but it was D'Angelo Russell over Pascal Siakam for most improved player. Ah, see, that is an interesting conversation. Because... Here's the thing, Pascal Siakam, what he's done for the Raptors, who are the second place team, is massive. And the difficult part about it, to really judge it, it's, it's surprising everyone. No one really expected it, for sure. But it's coming on a team where the focus isn't really on him because of Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry, etc. So he has that room to glow up. D'Angelo Russell... He's showing out as a star of Brooklyn. It's interesting. And I, I feel like he's gaining a lot of steam. That uh, that big boy, what do you have the other night? 40 the other night? He's on the cover of Slam magazine. If people haven't seen that, the brand new cover of Slam, they kind of did a mock-up of the famous Biggie picture with the crown. And so they did that with D'Angelo Russell. Like, there's a late-season push coming here. And... If you follow the Raptors enough and you're familiar with enough Raptors fans, you can just see the situation here where D'Angelo Russell ends up winning most improved players and Raptors fans go into their bag of the NBA hates us, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Make the all I mean, D'Angelo Russell was an all-star, if I'm not mistaken. No, didn't he make the all-star team this year? My point is it's a debate. I'm not going to go all in and just say it's got to be Pascal. I, I can, I'm here for the argument that D'Angelo Russell is the most improved player. Because the other part as to why it might tune in, turn into the better story, and I'm doing air quotes right now, because we know that a lot of these awards end up being about the best story. And the fact that D'Angelo Russell is doing what he's doing in Brooklyn in a big-time market, but also the fact that the Lakers are doing what they're doing and they essentially gave up on D'Angelo Russell that might lead to the storyline of, hey, yeah, D'Angelo Russell wins most improved player. I'm not saying I agree with that. I guess I'm just trying to mentally prepare Raptors fans for that possibility. I'm not saying I want it to happen, but I'm just saying the possibility of it, uh, yeah. On my TV, I see a board right now that says the Raptors are 21-7. and seven. They have the highest winning percentage in the NBA Versus the West. That, my friends, is another reason why this Raptors team is good. Because they play good against everybody. No matter where you're at, where you're from, they do work. It's incredible. More comments here. I'm going to scroll down. Uh, let's see here. Moral of the story, you must play 48 minutes. 
against OKC slash good teams. Totally agree with that. Lessons should be learned. More comments. The Raptors' ball movement was amazing. We discussed that. Again, let me get the assist numbers here. Raptors had, uh, let's see here, 30 assists on 45 made field goals. That's outstanding. That is outstanding. Uh, another comment, Marky Mark in this game, fire emoji. Uh, I'm assuming Marky Mark is Mark Gasol. I don't know if that nickname will stick, but okay. Hey, as long as more Raptors fans are on the wave, they're seeing what I'm seeing with Mark Gasol. I'm open to the, the, no, actually I can't call Mark Gasol Marky Mark. <laughs> I thought I could, but I can't do it. Can't do it. Not going to be able to do it. Sorry. Uh, let's see. Raptors shut down Westbrook and OKC in overtime. Even though we blew the lead, the Raptors' ball movement tonight was terrific and played defense when it mattered in OT. Again, what do you do in winning time? Raptors. That's what they were on. Uh, K2 Sanders says, the offense stall was because we got no calls, so OKC can play more aggressive on defense. It's kind of ridiculous. That kind of makes sense. There's something to that. Because once a team sees what they're allowed to get away with, right, the clutching and grabbing, the drives to the basket, Kawhi going to the cup, it's going to lead to more contact. And then, hey, we know Russ off. Russ is a one-man fast break, so he's getting that rebound and he's out. So that's a very good point there by uh, that person on Instagram. Another comment. I'll take it. Ball whizzing. Pascal aggressive with five fouls and no Lowry. Yeah, another thing I got to shout out Pascal for, a lot of that game, Pascal was guarding Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Think about that. The Raptors 4 is also guarding Russell Westbrook. That is crazy. Pascal Siakam, and that's what I mean too when I'm talking about, you know, the balance of the offense and defense and what you're getting from Pascal night in, night out, what you need from Pascal night in, night out. And sometimes, and we could see this in the playoffs, depending on the matchup, where it might help to have a taller person on whoever the point guard is. The fact that he's able to do that is crazy. That he's able to sometimes guard a center, but then also guard Russ. And I mean, hey, Russ got what he wanted in this game, but just the fact that he has to think a little more because there's a taller guy on him, uh... Russ likes to drive and dump it off to Adams or kick it out. Having someone with longer arms guarding him, getting in those passing lanes, that could have an effect. And we saw, hey, for the big boy numbers that Russ put up, the 42 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, he also had 8 turnovers. That's a big part of this game as well, especially when you're talking about a game that comes down to the final possessions. Those 8 turnovers that Russell Westbrook have are huge. So again, shouts to Siakam. Not only doing it on the offensive end, but the defensive end as well. Another comment on Instagram. Bronzed and Beautiful says, they won. I don't want to hear the quote, Raptors didn't deserve to win this game from anybody. Close quote. I agree. They deserve to win this game. They had a bad stretch in the fourth quarter. That was it. Other than that, they were wiping the floor with OKC. Their offense looked way better. Their defense was locked in on two of the best superstars in the league. Great game for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, 
Here's another comment from my guy, Odane, O-Doggy. O-Dog says, bless up, my lord. Tata will be at the game on Friday on blast. Shouts to O-Dog and shouts to Tata, the hot sauce. Shouts to O-Dog, huge shouts. Um, enjoy the game on Friday. That's a big game. That's a great game to go to. Uh, I got to do, maybe I should do a show from the from their store, actually. We got to talk, O-Dog. Hit me up, hit me up. Uh, another comment here, Alex says, despite not having Lowry available, we didn't miss a beat, and Fred was great tonight and created a lot offensively for himself and others. The other part of being injured, the other part of even Surge being suspended, those guys got some time off. And if I look at Fred Van Fleet, another pretty solid game, 23 points for Fred, six assists. He hit three threes in this game, eight of 16 from the floor for Freddie. Another good game for Van Fleet. He's looked good since he's come back from injury, and that's at the right time. That's perfect for Freddie because the Raptors need Fred going into the playoffs. If you remember last year, it was that last game of the season that Fred hurt his shoulder, and he came back. He played, I think he played at the end of the first round series, but the point is he was never fully a hundo P, and the Raptors needed Fred last year. It's a little different this year because he's not as high up the, the pecking order. But the difference that he can make to, to this team if he's playing at a high level could be the difference between the Raptors making the NBA Finals and like losing in the second round. That's how much Fred Van Fleet can impact this team. And, you know, hey, if Lowry struggles one night, you go to Freddie. If you just need some energy off the bench, you know, after getting down early or... What the old bench mom used to do, which was take a Raptors five-point lead and make it 10, or take that 10-point lead and make it 20, if you get that going again, hey, can be huge. Uh, more comments. Let's see what's going on here. I'm going to scroll. I'm going to scroll. Pascal's full-court game is successful seven out of 10 times. It's not bad. It's not as bad as you make it seem. It will be polished by next season. That's a very good comment, and I don't disagree at all. I feel like the fact that I keep pointing it out makes it seem like I think it's bad, but I'm always in this with the understanding that you need that. Like the success from Siakam comes from his aggressiveness. So you can't, like, I can't really be mad at him for being super aggressive when that's the same thing that has gotten him to this point. It's a very fine line. It's a very fine line. At the end of the day, overall, it's, it was a great game for him, and it's been a great season for him. So it's not a lot of negatives to really poke at his game. It's just more the role or the lane that he's in with this team, if that makes sense. The main focus still has to be energy, has to be defense, first and foremost. And if he's hustling, meaning the energy there, the hustle, the running up and down the floor, getting out on the break, he's still going to get his buckets. That's what I'm saying. Not mad at that at all. Not mad at Pascal Siakam at all. Uh, someone else here, uh, Glow Girls Smile says, ball movement with Kawhi out there. It's true. That's what a lot of people were waiting to see. A lot of people kept talking about they didn't think the Raptors' ball movement was as good with Kawhi Leonard on the floor. Even with Gasol, people pointed to the games that Kawhi was out there. They didn't really like the ball movement. I kind of disagreed on that because I saw it in spurts, but this game definitely 
was the best ball movement we've seen with the Raptors, with Gasol and Kawhi. There's another, seems to be a troll in here that's saying like weird things, not even going to acknowledge that. Uh, Pascal is a pull-up jumper away from superstardom. It's interesting. What, I mean, and I don't want even want to get this far into Pascal because it seems like we're nitpicking, which there's no, like it's dumb to kind of nitpick at this stage with Pascal. But the real next thing to come with Pascal is when the focus is on him night in, night out. Because the reality is it's not there yet because Kawhi's still at the top of every scouting report. So it's going to be interesting to see what that next step is. But also this offseason, man, we know the work he did in the offseason to get to this point. That next level is going to be even crazier as well. So that's going to be cool to see. Um, as this person says, imagine next year when Pascal makes higher IQ decisions. Totally agree. And that's all really I'm talking about. Time and situation. Like there's a time and place to do the the one-on-three, drive in the lane, try to make the tough lay-in. There's time and place for that. That's all I'm saying. Uh, let's see what else is going on here. Uh, Emma says, we are with you with the wave emoji. No, I'm a sucker for the wave emoji. Uh, let's see. We got to address Tony Brothers. It seems personal. It's not personal. Tony Brothers is just a horrible ref. If you go into like NBA Reddit, whatever other teams, and ask about Tony Brothers, everyone's going to say the same thing. Like we are, we're talking about Tony Brothers trending in Canada. But if you follow whatever team, whatever city, you're going to find the same comments on every night from another team saying, Tony Brothers, yeah. <laughs> Complaining about the work done by Tony Brothers. That's that's definitely a thing. Uh, let's see. But Raptors fans got to hit up NBA officials on Twitter. <laughs> that's funny. Um, my guy C. Brown says, sorry, I'm late. Don't worry, my dude. It's all good. No problem. Uh, Jewel says, a lot of that is Danny Green shooting the lights out totally agree it's always dope to see danny green shoot the lights out like that that is incredible um also gasol is beginning to look like he's fitting in so well nick nurse gets credit totally agree it's great to see what's going on right now with mark gasol and the players also getting used to mark gasol because we keep talking about you know mark gasol fitting in with the team but it's a two-way street the other guys got to get used to mark gasol as well and thing that I didn't realize even was the fact that he is so selfish. Like, can he put up way more shots? Of course he can. But he also looks around and he sees, well, Kawhi's a walking 27 a night. He sees a Siakam glow up and what Siakam's capable to do. But also, Danny Green is a sharpshooter. And so he looks at this team and says, I don't have to score 20 a night, but how I can help this team is help the ball movement. And again, I urge people to look for the situations where you see Mark Gasol, he's off the ball, but he's encouraging his teammates to move. <laughs> to start moving, running some set of some sort of offense. That's pretty cool. That's what I want to see. Uh, yep, another person commenting on finally with the staggering. I guess he kind of had to, especially with no Kyle Lowry. Nurse had to stagger Siakam as well as uh, Kawhi. So that was good to see. Uh, another comment, don't collect those offensive rebounds as much as we should have tonight. Uh, there was one key negative about the game, and that was it. Uh, the other part about Gasol, sorry, I forgot about this and just popped back in my head. 
Gasol taking charges. I still wonder how many centers are out here taking charges that aren't just the charges where you're guarding your guy in the post and like he's posting into you, like bumping into you and then you fall back, but more so you're getting in the lane and taking charges against guys driving. Shouts to Gasol. Uh, let's see what else we got going on. More Tony Brothers. More Tony Brothers a slander, which is very funny. Alex says, you're not getting crushed by the basketball heads for saying that. Always credit your opponent when they come back. Shouts to you, Alex, because it's true, right? At a certain point, the other team has to make shots, and it wasn't just the shots they were making. Paul George was hitting big boy shots. Like That was crazy. And again, who knows what would have happened in overtime, but Paul George heating up is not something that you want to see as an opposing team that is up a lead. Uh, my guy C. Brown says, the foul call on Gasol was terrible. The non-call against Westbrook on Kawhi was worse. NBA refs are the worst. <laughs> it's true. NBA refs are not that good. They're not. And But it's a tough job. It's an extremely tough job because you could literally call foul on every single play. It's just that some struggle more than others. And Tony Brothers, it's one of those guys. Uh, another comment, good practice game for the playoffs. Practice in quotations, that means it's tongue-in-cheek, or it would be Comic Sans <laughs> if that was available in the comment section. Uh, another person says, can't blame Siakam for the final play of regulation. Nurse drew up a terrible play. Yeah, I don't know how much I like that play. And again, that was a like that's the one where Dwayne Casey's sitting on his couch watching the Raps game saying, hey, I know that play, because we saw that play a lot last year where they the ball to Kyle or DeMar in the backcourt and they run up and try to get downhill going to the basket. We've seen that before. Uh, you know what? There's so many comments here as always in Instagram and I totally appreciate it. Really appreciate you guys. Shouts for joining me live late night. I mean, right now it's about 1.24 a.m. on the East Coast and there's still more comments coming in There's on Twitter and on Instagram. We're, basic, we're almost at the hour mark here on Podcast. and i really appreciate it guys like you guys tuning in and joining me on this and you know i enjoy the conversation so much to get the perspective and when we see the same things that's pretty cool to me like the fact that we can all say that we watched marcus soul have such a massive effect on the raptors offense that's cool tells me i'm not crazy tells me i'm not you know <laughs> i'm seeing the same things as other people cool uh just Final comments here on Instagram before we go. James says, tonight they took care of business against a top-tier team. Totally agree with that. <laughs> Another comment. These teams play rugby defense on Kawhi. <laughs> enough is enough. <laughs> totally agree. The, the defense on Kawhi, man. And the thing that I give them credit for is this Raptors team plays through the terrible calls. In past years, other Raptors teams would allow the terrible calls to get to them would normally end up in an L. So I got to give them a shout out to this Raptors team because they fight through the terrible calls. They don't really let let it bog them down. They continue to play. Like you see Kawhi get fouled. He'll turn to the ref, look at the ref, get mad, but then get back in the play and continue playing. Might even jack up a three. <laughs> but again, shouts guys for tuning into this, the Wrap It Up podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. This is fun. This is the best season in Toronto Raptors history. 
by far. And again, I've been urging you as I have been all season, enjoy the positives. Enjoy the positives. Instead of thinking about why is Kawhi not playing, like, doesn't it make you wonder what would the record be if Kawhi played in every game? That's crazy. But again, we're not used to the regular season not mattering. And for Kawhi Leonard, for Marcus Gasol, for Danny Green, even for Serge and Kyle, this isn't their first rodeo anymore in terms of having success in the regular season. And that's the part that is throwing off a lot of Raptors fans and even, I'll say, the media. Because none of these people are used to the regular season not being a big deal. Seeding doesn't matter. I was going to do this on the Ball on Blast podcast, which we won't do this week with my guy Webby, but I'll maybe do it on fr after Friday's game. But I urge you, this is my reminder to you. There's a difference between teams that are good, that have finals aspirations, realistic championship finals aspirations. There's a difference between those teams and the teams that are just happy to be here. And what I mean by that is this is Milwaukee's first go, go at being really successful, being in the top of the conference, right? This era of the Bucks. This is their first run. It's like, remember those feelings of the F Brooklyn the first time the Raptors were back in the playoffs with Kyle and DeMar. Remember that feeling? That was like six years ago now. So the reason I bring that up is because there's a difference between your, your aspirations during the regular season. Milwaukee cares about being in first place in the conference because they haven't been in that era, that airspace in a while. So that's a big deal to them. For the Raptors, and I know it's, it's tough for people to picture this because it's not the organization, it's the player. It's Kawhi, it's Danny Green, it's Marcus Gasol. Those guys have won playoff rounds by not being the higher seed in the playoffs. My point is, the seeding doesn't matter. So if you have championship or finals aspirations for real, like this Raptors team does, you're not worried about the regular season. Again, I gotta make a t-shirt. Not all regular season games are created equally. But this was a big boy game and the Raptors showed out so shouts to that. So again, see you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in on Instagram and on Twitter at Shell Alexander after each and every Toronto Raptors game. And if you're not here live, tune into the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and on YouTube. Just search On Blast Podcast. Huge shouts to you guys. Appreciate it so much. Shouts to Clean Cuts for getting people fresh and getting me fresh for this podcast as well. Because I really did used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Wrap It Up on Blast Raps Post Game Show. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.